0: Our Old Testament passage today continues in the book of Job. Oh, then Job answered and said, how long will you torment me and break me in pieces with words? Now, wow. So the friends, the friends' words were not comfort, they were torment. And he said, you break me in pieces with words. And now, brothers and sisters, one of the things you have to learn is when people are going through hard times, they don't need you to kick them when they're down. All right? I mean, forgive me. They don't need to be kicked when they're down. These ten times you have cast reproach upon me, are you not ashamed to wrong me? And even if it be true that I have erred, my error remains within myself. If indeed you magnify yourselves against me, And make my disgrace an argument against me. Know then that God has put me in no wrong and closed his net around me. Behold, I cry out violence, but I'm not answered. I call for help, but there is no justice. He has walled up my way so that I cannot pass. He has set darkness upon my path and stripped me from my glory and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone and my hope he has pulled up like a tree. He has kindled his wrath against me and counts me as his adversary. His troops come on together. They have cast up their siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has put my brothers far from me, and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. (laughs) Welcome to Hard Times. The guests in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I have become a foreigner in their eyes. I call to my servant, but he gives me no answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. My breath is strange to my wife, and I am a stench to the children of my own mother. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me. And those whom I have loved have turned against me. Folks, this is, this is the loneliness of hard times, okay? I want you to notice when you go through hard times, you're an orphan, folks. All my intimate friends abhor me. Those whom I love have turned against me. My bones stick to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O you my friends. For the hand of God has touched me. Now that's not correct, but he didn't know that. Why do you, like God, pursue me? Why are you not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written and that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. But after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. If you say, how will we pursue him? And the root of the matter is found in him. Be afraid of the sword. For wrath brings the punishment of the sword, that you may know that there is a judgment. Chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. And so far the Namathite answered and said, Therefore, my thoughts, answer me. Because of my haste within me, I hear censor that insults me. And out of my understanding, a spirit answers me. (laughs) A spirit? What spirit? Do you not know this from of old, since man was placed on the earth, that the exalting of the wicked is short, and the joy of the godless but for a moment? Though his height mount up to the heavens and his head reach to the clouds, he will perish forever like his dung. Those who have seen him will say, Where is he? He will fly away like a dream and not be found. He will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye that saw him will see him no more, nor will his place any more behold him. His children will seek the favor of the poor, and his hands will give back his wealth. His bones are full of his youthful vigor, but it will lie down with him in the dust. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, though he hides it under his tongue, though he is loath to let it go and holds it in his mouth, yet his food is turned in his stomach. It is the venom of cobras within him. He swallows down riches and vomits them up again. God cast them out of his belly. He will suck the poison of cobras, and the tongue of the viper will kill him. He will not look upon the rivers." the streams flowing with honey and curds. He will give back the fruit of his toil and will not swallow it down. From the profit of his trading, he will get no enjoyment. Now, This is what this guy says. He said, you know, Job, you've been a wicked man, and that's why all this is happening to you. For he has crushed and abandoned the poor and seized a house he did not build. Job had never done that. But notice all the accusations that come against him because he knew no contentment in his belly he will not let anything in which he delights escape him there will be nothing left after he had eaten though his prosper for his prosperity will not endure now notice they accuse this man of stinginess they accuse this man of greed all these accusations were false in the fullness of his sufficiency he will be in distress the hand of everyone in misery will come against him To fill his belly to the full, God will send his burning anger against him and rain it upon his body. He will flee from an iron weapon and a bronze arrow will strike him through. It is drawn forth and comes out of his body. The glittering point comes out of his gallbladder. Terrors come upon him. Utter darkness is laid up for his treasures. A fire not flamed will devour him. What is left in his tent will be consumed. The heavens will reveal his iniquity and the earth rise up against him. The possessions of his house will be carried away, dragged off in the day of God's wrath. This is the wicked man's portion from God and the heritage decreed for him by God. But remember, God said Job was a righteous man, blameless in all his ways. You're going to find that when people go through hard times, everybody wants to say, It's because of sin. And sometimes hard times are just because of a devil. Chapter 21. Then Job answered. I mean, Job's just, they've just ripped him up and condemned him again. Job answered and said, keep listening to my words and let this be your comfort. Bear with me and I will speak. And after I have spoken, mock on. Okay, Mockery. They mocked him. As for me. Is my complaint against man? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled. Lay your hand over your mouth. When I remember, I am dismayed and shuddering seizes my flesh. Why do the wicked live, reach old age and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, and no rod of God is upon them. Their bull breeds without fail, their cow calves and does not miscarry. They send out their little boys like a flock, and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice to the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity and in peace. They go down to Sheol. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Can you imagine? But this is the arrogance of many rich people. This is the arrogance of many rich people. They say to God, we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the almighty that we should serve him? And what profit do we get if we pray to him? Behold, is not their prosperity in their hand? The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is it that the lamp of the wicked is put out? that their calamity comes upon them, that God distributes pains in his anger, that they are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away. You say God stores up their iniquity for their children? Let them pay it out to them that they may know it. Let their own eyes see their destruction and let them drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care for their houses after them when the number of their months is cut off? Will any teach God knowledge, seeing that he judges those who are on high? One dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure, his pails full of milk and the marrow of his bones moist. Another dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having tasted prosperity. They lay down alike in the dust, and the worms cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts and your schemes to wrong me. But you say, where is the house of the prince? Where is the tent in which the wicked live? Have you not asked those who travel the roads? And do you not accept their testimony that the evil man is spared in the day of calamity, that he is rescued in the day of wrath? Who declares his way to his face and who repays him for what he has done? When he is carried to the grave, watch is kept over his tomb. The clods of the valley are sweet to him and all mankind follows after him. And those who go before him are innumerable. How then will you comfort me with empty nothings? There is nothing left of your answers but falsehood. Wow. You know, one of the things I like about Job, he made mistakes, yes, but I like the fact that Job did not back down in the face of the lies and the mocking. He did not back down in the face of it. He said. You say that I have problems because of sin? No, I'm not going to let you sit here in condemnation on me. He said, how will you comfort me with your empty nothings? There's nothing left of your answers but falsehood. Nothing left of your answers but lies. I like Job. He stood his ground. Now, yeah, he made some mistakes, and there were things he didn't understand, and God had to teach him in a few chapters from now. But I like how Job stood his ground. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, you and I need to realize bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. You see, there is an ugly devil in this world and a lot of times the devil just wants to hurt you because God's been bragging about you, because God has looked upon you and been proud of you, and the devil hates God. So the devil wants to hurt you because God loves you. And that's what's going on here with Job. And Job would not allow them to sit in judgment and condemnation on him. I like Job. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. testament passage today picks up in 1 corinthians chapter 16 beginning with verse 5 paul says to the church in corinth i will visit you after he said all right this is going to be after passing through macedonia for i intend to pass through macedonia and perhaps i will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever i go for i do not want to see you now just in passing I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. So he wants God's will, but he also wants time. Now, brothers and sisters, this is something leaders desire. It doesn't matter how people treat them. This is something leaders desire. This is the church that showed Paul more disrespect than any other church. But Paul said, I still want to spend time with you. One of the things I had to teach young pastors is this. When you were a young person growing up in the church, you could have your friends, you could have the people that you like and dislike and the people you didn't want to be with and the people you did want to be with. But as a pastor, that has to go away. You just have to love God's people. And he said, even though you brought such disrespect to my life, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. He said, I want God's will. But he said, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, why does he want to stay there? For a wide door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, notice, Paul stays. Paul's decision to say is based on two things one, a wide open door, and number two, many adversaries. He said, you know what? I'm going to stay here until Pentecost because you know what? Man, there's a wide open door for ministry. And you know what? There's a lot of people against me too. So I'm just going to stay right here. I like Paul. When Timothy comes, see to it that you put him at ease among you. Now, New Living Translation says, um, don't intimidate him. Did you see that? He said, put him at ease. The people of Corinth could be very intimidating. He said, I don't want you to intimidate. Timothy, I want you, I want you to, to put him at ease among you. Now, why do you want to put him at ease? For he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. Now, Paul looks at these people and says, now listen, Timothy's not going to do you any good if you, if you try to intimidate him. But if you put him at ease, he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. He's got a lot of good things to share with you, but you, know, you can't intimidate him into silence. He said, let no one despise him, New Living Translation. He says, don't let anyone treat him with contempt. I like that. Sometimes I have to challenge some of the church members. Sorry. With these young pastors, I know they're not perfect, and I know they make mistakes. But don't intimidate them, and and don't look down upon them, and don't don't despise them, and don't, don't treat them with contempt just because they're younger. They're the future. Help grow these young pastors. Help develop them in Jesus' name. Help him on his way in peace that he may may return to me for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. New Living Translation says, he was not willing to go right now. He'll see you later when he has an opportunity. Now I want you to notice, Paul did not force the action. Well, I'm an apostle, Apollos, listen to me and you go. He didn't do that. He said, I strongly urged him. See, to me, this is the type of leadership. And and again, I know it brings disrespect because there are people, unless you command and boss and everything, people disrespect, but that was not the Apostle Paul. And you know what? I don't think it was Jesus either. Jesus wants us to do things because we want to do them. Paul wanted Apollos to do this because he wanted to do this, not just because he was ordered to do it. This is why when we, we start talking to pastors about, all right. We're thinking about how would you like to go to Davao, how would you like to go to to Kawit? how would you like to to take over the church in Romblon that's been started. We ask the pastors, is this something you would like to do? Do you want to do this? Now, I know that doesn't sound corporate and that doesn't sound military, but it does sound like family. Now, there are some people, honestly, who cannot work with this type of leadership because they want to command and they want to boss we we've had pastors that when the young people disobeyed them they made the, they made a girl do squats until she wound up in the hospital with an asthma attack because they were forcing things to be done i don't tolerate that kind of stuff around me people should do things because it's in their heart to do it he said it was not at all his will to come but he will come when he has an opportunity he said be watchful stand firm in the faith Act like men. Be strong. I like that. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Yeah. Let all that you do be done in love. Five commands. I like that. Five commands. Each one of those is a sermon. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. I like that. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaea. Now Achaia is the province of Athens, Sancria, and Corinth. He said, You know the household of Stephanus were the first converts, and this is the province of Achaia. This is where these other cities are located. And they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every fellow worker and laborer. Now New Living Translation brings it out just a little differently. He said, they are spending their lives in service to God's people. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I like that. When you see people in the church that have given their lives for the work of God, submit to them and others like them because they serve with such devotion. He said, now, this is, this is the old timers. Old timers in ministry. Now, now, sometimes, young people, you come up and you, you've got this millennial attitude of you want everything now, but you're not willing to work for it. Paul would look at you and say, you know what? Remember these people that have been devoting themselves to the service of the saints for a lifetime. And uh, be submissive, be subject to these people. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Now, that New Living Translation brings it out just a little differently. He said, they have been providing the help you weren't here to give me. They've been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. He said, you must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. I like that. Show your appreciation to all who serve so well. As a church, you hear me all the time brag on ushers and brag on kids' church workers and brag on the rangers and brag on people that have been working so hard. We need to give recognition to such people. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their house. Okay, so Aquila and Priscilla have started a new church. They were in Rome. Now they are. They came back to Corinth, and that's where Paul hooked up with them and was working with them, and now they've, they've started another church. They send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I always tell you every year, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Yes. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, let's open up our hearts for a little bit of wisdom from Proverbs now. Proverbs 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What delights God? Fairness. And he said, you know, in the market there are people that have a false balance and they're always cheating everybody. But he said, you know, a just weight that delights God. You want to delight God? You work in the market? Have a, a just balance when pride comes then comes disgrace pride is a package deal pride is a package deal it always brings with it disgrace and they both come okay you know they come they're not dormant in a heart they don't live there they come But with the humble is wisdom. I like that. When you humble yourself, when you live a humble life, there's wisdom there. The integrity, the transparency of the upright guides them. You often hear me talk about this. Being transparent before people. You know, now there will always be people who will use your integrity, use your transparency against you. But you'll find that one of the things that guides your life is your transparency. Really easy to make a decision. You have nothing to hide. Really easy to know what to do because you have nothing to hide. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. This is why you don't need to fight back against treacherous, deceitful people. It'll always destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Now notice that. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment, but right living will save you from death. In the day of judgment, money doesn't help. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Now, now I want you to notice. And then notice here, guidance and keeps his way straight. Notice this, this repetitive action. The integrity of the upright guides them. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. Notice, the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. The wicked fall by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. They're their craving after other things. The ambition of the treacherous traps them. Now, there's a good truth. The ambitious of the treacherous traps them, but the godliness of good people rescues them. Get a hold of these truths. I mean, the book of Proverbs, you know, I know it's not the most exciting book in the Bible to read, but it is It is so full of wisdom and so will allow you to, to understand not just your heart, but the hearts of people around you. The ambition of treacherous people. When people are, are using deceit and treachery to fulfill their ambitions, <laughs> it always traps them. Ambition can trap people. So again, I want you to notice There's no need to war with these people. The treacherous are destroyed. They fall by their own wickedness. They're taken captive by their own lust. But the integrity of the upright guides them. The righteousness of the blameless keeps their way straight. The righteousness of the upright delivers them. You know, you just need to learn to live like this. Amen. All right, we're going to see you tonight, seven o'clock sharp.